The deep calls out to the deep for answers. But it is not this great spiritual ascension envisioned. It is a brokenness where we bury our questions in the deepest parts of that ocean, fearing what others may think of us for daring to ask or to say such things in the light of day. At times, our soul is cast down within us, and we find ourselves in predicaments that call for perseverance in trusting Christ. Charles Spurgeon said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Rather than kiss the wave drawing us ever closer to our beloved Savior, we may find ourselves despising the breakers coming over us that have been allowed to hit us. Or we may pretend that the wave is not there at all. We think of ourselves as the rock which the tide breaks itself upon. But we are not. Our lives are like a vapor, a mist coming off of the wave, clinging to the rock from which the fount of living water flows. A small ripple does not bother us. But what happens when the waves seem to be never-ending? What happens when all of his breakers go over you? Do you remember God in your unbelief? Do you encourage yourself in the depths of your drowning soul, circling the whirlpool of turmoil? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 42, verses 5 and 11. You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Love Scribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Scribe. I know I'm surely not the only one that has done this, but have you ever had specific verses, especially in the book of Psalms, where you find specific verses that are almost like taglines to your life, and you use them as a way to to spin off in some way, whether in some mystical way or deep spiritual way to say that God is speaking to you in this capacity, which I do believe that God speaks through his word, but he's encouraging us and he's instructing us and telling us his ways and such. And it certainly is God speaking through his word. Well, I had, I can probably tell you numerous times that I've sadly done this and been guilty of taking a verse out of context as we all have at one time or another. And Psalm 42, 7 was one of those verses. And I remember thinking about that verse in particular, that one little verse, and never reading it in context. And I will admit that on here. I never read it in context. But just hearing that particular verse by itself, and if you need a reminder or refresher what that is, it is this. It says, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. And I remember hearing that particular verse And in my past way of thinking, I immediately thought of a deep spiritual intimacy with God and how the deep, the depths in me, the deep in me was calling out to the depths of God within me. It sounded really profound at the time. And now looking back, I think that made no sense at all. (laughs) It made absolutely no sense. And it is not in the context of what this entire psalm is about. And I did not even think about that until... Within the past week or so, um, actually, a, a group that I listen to called Shane and Shane, it's two singers, and they have the musicians, of course, but I've listened to their music for a little while now and really enjoyed it. Um, it's been a blessing, especially the hymns and the psalms that they do, and they came out with Psalm 42. I'm still waiting for Psalm 90, by the way, to come out. Uh, if you haven't heard that one, you need to go on YouTube and check that out, and it's, it's a beautiful psalm. Uh, Psalm 90 is, is, and what they've done with it, with the, with the putting it into music. But that's one to check out, and I'm hoping that they bring that one out really soon. It's so good. But back to Psalm 42. 
So Psalm 42, I was listening to this song that they just released of this, and I thought of verse 7, because there's some of the words in that song. It says, deep calls to deep, waves of unbelief, and I thought, wait a second, and then breakers crash and bring me falling to my knees, and you know, it goes on and on. This is part of the bridge, and calling out of where is my God, but then a reminder of that to praise God and that he is the salvation of that psalmist, which many people believe it's David singing that, even though it says the sons of Korah. And so it drew me to open my Bible. And I went and opened my Bible and I was actually shocked because I thought, well, another layer of the onion has been peeled back of things that I thought something meant one thing. But then when I went and looked at it in context, it did not mean that. The psalmist that's singing Psalm 42 is lamenting. And we can learn a lot from the book of Psalms. I know that there's a tendency a lot of times that we like to hear, all of us like to hear very upbeat music. We like to hear music that encourages us and it gets us going and it's peppy and it causes us to to rejoice. And we sometimes tend to stay away from or we like to in our private time maybe and not admit it, but we'll go to these songs that are that are probably ministering to us or echoing what's going on in our lives that's when we're struggling and I was listening to Psalm 42 and I thought yeah this is not one of those it's there's rejoicing in there but it's almost like the psalmist is encouraging themselves in the midst of lamenting in the midst of despondency in the midst of despair to trust in the Lord and I thought what a picture first of all of my life of looking at even, you know, two years, I can look at a lot of different places in my life where I can relate to that. But when I look at even the last two years, and I shared this in the blog post, there's little bits and pieces that I've shared over time. But then there's things that the more, the more that I begin to see, and the more I begin to realize that there are things that are that happen in our lives that we don't understand, that are painful, that are trying the more I realize the trust in the Lord is so important in those moments. And if we didn't have those moments, we probably wouldn't run to God as much as we should and trust in him as much as we should in the, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of the chaos in this world and the turmoil that all of us face. We all have different issues and different problems that we face. And some are more severe than others. When you look at them as far as life changing but Psalm 42 is, is not one of those get up and be peppy type of songs. And I'm sure if David was alive today, I was thinking about that. David would probably be, be rebuked or chastised by people and say, you're not being positive enough, David. I mean, this song is just, it's a downer. Why are you singing something like this? This is not going to uplift people. This is not encouraging. You probably have a tormenting spirit that you need to have deliverance from. So why don't we schedule your sozo next week? That's probably something that he would have heard, or he may have heard, you know, you don't have enough faith in God, or you're not trusting in God enough. You need to, you know, make sure that your faith in that you're directing yourself in in God and faith in God the way you should be and quit being so negative and quit being so depressed and and downtrodden but i think that psalm 42 along with many other psalms is a genuine reflection of the christian life because whether we want to admit it or not we all struggle there are things that we are trying to overcome and we're trying to do it in our own strength 
or maybe that we've come out of movements and we're having to unlearn things that we once thought we knew how to do. I thought I knew how to pray before just for myself. I thought I knew how to pray. It wasn't until going into our second pregnancy with our son last year in the midst of COVID and everything that happened and then being so high risk. And I've talked about this before. I don't want to go into all the details about it again, but I remember that was one of the few times, that was actually the first time, that was the first time that I was put in a position that I felt helpless as far as prayer was concerned because I thought, how can I decree and declare like I once did? How can I command and demand? I can't do that because the Bible does not, the Word of God does not support that type of behavior. I don't want to dishonor Christ by doing something that's not modeled in Scripture but rather has been modeled by taking scripture out of context and and doing it in a certain way. And there may be some people that are listening to this and they're going to say, I don't agree with that. You need to be decreeing and declaring. That's why you're you're uh, suffering right now. That's why you're dealing with things, you know, this and that and all the spiritual warfare. And I would just say, take it back to the word. What does the word say? I, I found myself in uncharted waters in that time last year. And it was a time that I really found out my trust was to be in the Lord, even in the midst of brokenness. I truly believe that you can be one of these people that emotionally is breaking down and you still have trust in the Lord. And it doesn't mean that you're that your faith is less or anything. It's a matter of you recognizing, like David did, who was under an old covenant, of recognizing your absolute dependency on God. Because If we could do everything in our own power, we would not need a Savior. There would be no need for Christ to come. If we could save ourselves, we would have already done it. If we could heal ourselves, we would have already done it. If we could cast off every care and every burden and never have to suffer or endure any hardship in this life, we would have already done it. But the fact of the matter is, is that we are not promised that. There is no scripture that is promising us in this life, on this planet, in this state right now, and still in this fallen, sinful state that the world is in right now, there is no way for us to walk in absolute natural-looking victory, to not ever have to have a physical ailment in your body, to not ever have to have pain in your body, to not ever have to deal with your body aging year upon year, to not have to deal with some sort of crisis or some sort of issue in your life, whether it's mild or really severe and life-changing. We're not promised that. But as Christians, we are promised hope. There is a hope and a future in Christ. And we can look even when we're in the midst of despair. We can fix our gaze on Christ. And we can say, I know where my hope and trust is. Yes, I'm broken right now. And I feel like I'm in an absolute pit of despair right now because of what's going on. And my emotion, and this is real, the loss that I've suffered or the emotion that I'm going through right now is real. But at the same time, I've got to focus on Christ and I've got to be okay with being broken in this moment and, and letting him heal me and make me whole at the same time, if that's making sense at all. <laughs> I wanted to um, talk about Psalm 42 because some of you all, you may have heard verse 7 and you thought the same thing about, oh, it's about the depths in us calling out and it's this mystical thing and it's not. The deep calling to the deep at the roar of your waterfalls is what it says. That's God's waterfalls. And and the psalmist is saying, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. This psalmist is acknowledging that God is allowing or sending these waters of turmoil over his life. He's acknowledging that. 
And I wanted to read Psalm 42 to you. Uh, it's not a long psalm, and it's and it's good just to give it to you in context. You know, there's another verse, too, in Psalm 42 that's very well known. It's at the very beginning. In verse 1, it says, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Again, this has turned into like an intimate type call that a lot of people say, and it is to a certain point, but this is painting the picture that a deer panting for flowing streams, that is not their normal stance. That is not their normal posture. That is not the normal way that their mouth goes if you see a deer. Panting in a deer would be something that they're thirsting. They're, they're terribly thirsting, and they need to get hydration. And this psalmist is relating to that. My soul pants for you, God. My soul thirsts for God. It's almost as if this psalmist is in a state of drought, spiritual drought. And they don't know what's going on. They're looking, they're, they're thirsting for the living God, and they're longing for that time to appear before God. And in verse 3, it goes on, it says, My tears have been my food day and night. I don't know how many of y'all can relate to that. I can relate to that. In two years of things going on, I'll talk about in just a minute. I want to get through this whole psalm and not con continue to interrupt it. But I can relate to that, and there's many of us that can. When you feel like all that your sustenance has been is your tears, and your sorrow and what is what is going on and you giving and you continuing to come to the Lord with that and say, I don't understand this, God. Why is this going on? I need your help. I need you. So we go on while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. From the land of Jordan and Hermon and Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now, Psalm 42, like I said, it is a portrait. It is a picture and a reflection of the Christian life, I believe, of having these moments where we feel like we're on the mountaintop and everything is well, and we're leading everybody else in procession, I guess, to rejoice in the Lord, and we're, you know, we're in celebration, and everything is great, and then we're in these valleys, or maybe we're under the, the gushing of the waterfall, or we feel the breakers coming, and the break some and for some you know the breakers are just not stopping they're not stopping and it seems like we're you're just drowning you're just submerged in that but then there's these moments that this psalmist in the midst of that despair and in the midst of him crying out in these things revealing what's inside his heart which can't be hidden from God anyway he's revealing outwardly what's inside of his heart and then he reminds himself why are you cast down oh my soul why are you in turmoil within you your hope is in God because you're going to praise him again. Your salvation, your salvation and your God, you, you focus on him. He is your salvation. 
And that's what we need to be doing when we read the Word of God and when we're in prayer and in corporate gatherings, when we're around other fellow believers. And we should not be ashamed to share what we're struggling with. You know, I, as a side note, coming out of the hyper-charismatic church, and this is something that I still, um, I still had to let the hooks of that, so to speak, come out of me. That's a metaphor I'm using. I'm not talking prophetically or anything like that. But I'm talking of that was one of the things I really had to get out of me too. And it had, and I had to, it was breaking down the mindset of that and unlearning things. One of those things that happens in that type of movement, and I saw this time and time again through years of being in this, and I did it myself, is that there were a lot of people that were very fearful or very reluctant to tell people publicly what was going on with them if they were struggling physically, if they were struggling financially, if they had a family member that was struggling with addiction or anything that was not painted in a, in a, in a positive light or in a favorable light, you would, you'll notice that people are very careful to watch their words. They won't speak things out because they're afraid that if they speak something in, into, if they speak something outwardly, they're going to speak it into existence that they won't receive doctor's reports. They, they rebuke doctor's reports or they, they just bind them up or they won't believe when certain things are said that they believe contradict what God's promises are for them. Though that may sound powerful at the same time coming out of this, it was another form of spiritual bondage because there were things in my life I was being faced with and even in our family that for me not to say it out loud was foolish, to not recognize what it was and to essentially think that all the power was within me because I wasn't speaking it out loud when I was not putting my full trust in God by not recognizing it for what it was and saying, okay, you know, we're going to trust the Lord in this, however he's going to use it, whether he uses, you know, this means or that means or however he wants to help us, he's going to do it. One of the biggest things that happened to me to help peel this back, and I share this, and I've already asked my husband if it was okay to share with, because it was, it's, it's part of his um, walk with the Lord right now and part of his life. Late last year, he began to have symptoms in his body. We had Uh, We had Ephraim, our son, in May of last year, at the end of May. There were some little bit of complications with Ephraim, but nothing major. He was healthy, healthy, and and everything was going fine with him. We finally got some of the, the wrinkles, you know, ironed out with some of the things that was going on with him. We were going along just fine, and then during the summer, my husband started having some some symptoms of some things, of some pain in his body, which he's a very hardworking man, and I thought, you know, maybe he's just having some wear and tear over time, and he thought the same thing, and he went to a doctor, got checked out, and he started having some symptoms then, and they subsided. Well, right before Christmas, so he started developing numbness in both of his feet, and it went all the way up to below his rib cage uh, within, uh, within, by the end of the week. And I had talked to him and we, I went with him to the doctor and uh, he ended up seeing a specialist and they suggested that he have an MRI done. So the one MRI turned into, I believe, two more after that with contrast and uh, they were concerned at that point after they saw a lesion in his spine that they were concerned about MS. So there were other symptoms that came up that became an emergency situation. We'll just say that. 
And between the end of December, actually December 20th, right before Christmas, up until January, uh, mid-January, he went to the emergency room twice. He was admitted to the hospital the second time because of infection. And it was actually exacerbating the symptoms of the MS and making things worse. And even still, we did not have a, a specific diagnosis or a complete diagnosis. It was just tentative. Uh, we were having major issues with dealing with health insurance and uh, dealing with trying to get doctors to, to coordinate and do things. And it was a bit of, um, you know, trying to just be very proactive in it and get in the help that he needed. January continued on and there were there were there began to be things that he needed health wise that we had to tend to he was still he's still able to get up move around I praise God for that but before we found out what was going on with him in March which a few days before going to a, a university to find out what was going on he he ended up having to go to the ER again and that time he was septic and he was very sick at that point and I remember even leading up to that time in March I remember laying in bed at night and it was as if, you know, we'd had a, a lull for a few months and then we started having this next wave that, that came in of this next trial that we were dealing with. And we had no idea at the time what it was going to be. And then when we found out what it was, um, what, the sus- what, what was suspected, it was a bit of a shock. It was a bit of a, a hit to our family and we weren't quite sure how to process it, I don't think. I think my husband processed it a lot better than I did, actually, which, at any rate, I remember laying in bed at night, and uh, I couldn't sleep. I mean, I would sit there and watch him sleep at times. I know that sounds creepy. I don't mean that in a weird, weird, creepy way, but I remember watching him sleep at times, and I, I, I remember just, I laid in bed and would just, and would just pray and would just ask God, to, to help him. I would ask to heal him. I didn't command it. And I still, to this day, every day when I think about him in the mornings and I pray when he goes to work and I pray and ask God that to keep him safe and to be with him during the day, I still ask God to heal him. I thank God and I praise him. And I say, even if you don't heal him, God, you're still God. So there were many nights that I laid in bed and many sleepless nights that I laid in bed thinking about what was going to happen to our family. All the what ifs is what my husband says that I'm, I'm bad about doing that at this point because there's so much that's so much that's happened to us in such a short period of time that my mind starts wandering off into the what ifs. And I have to learn how to not do that. More and more these days, I find myself taking my what ifs to God because I don't know of any other place to go, but to take them to God. And when I pray and I talk to God or I cry to God and just boo-hoo or whatever I need to do to get it out, then I do it and go on with the rest of my day. Because as Elizabeth Elliott said, you do the next thing. And that's sometimes that's what I have to get in my mind. I'm not great about that, but there's times that I have to remind myself, okay, you do the next thing. You have two young kids you got to take care of. I'm trying to take care of my home, my family. I want to take care of the things that my husband needs, asking God to help me to be the wife and mother that's going to glorify him. And knowing that I utterly fail at that almost every single day, there's something that, that I fail at in some way, shape, or fashion, but, but recognizing that God's grace is there and His grace is sufficient, even in the midst of my weakness. So when March, when March, it was March 3rd, March 2nd, March 3rd, when he went into the hospital and had to be admitted for sepsis, and I knew that that was a serious point, uh, sepsis is not something you play around with, and at that point... I was really concerned and I had, we went late at night to the ER and they admitted him and I had to go home by myself. 
and I walked out to the to the parking lot in the hospital and I'm just sobbing I mean I'm by myself I'm having to go home I'm going to go home to an empty bed go home and you know you know talk to our oldest child in the next morning trying to explain to her what where her dad is and and trying to help her understand that a little bit and that we pray and and just walking to the car in the parking lot and crying and thinking where are you God I'm you know for myself I felt alone I felt bad for my husband that he was having to go through what he was going through again it was this moment of helplessness of going I can't pray like I once did. All I know to do is trust you, God. I, I feel absolutely, utterly powerless right now. And I cannot bring myself to do something that the Bible does not instruct us to do and pray in such a way. I'm to make my petitions known. You know, I've told you guys before, Philippians 4 has been uh, one of the biggest verses I go to in these times of reminding myself, you know, be anxious for nothing. The word says be anxious for nothing. And I ask God to help me in calming my anxious thoughts, to calm those and to think upon him, to think about what's lovely and what's true, and what's pure and what's noble. If there's anything of virtue or excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise to think on those things, well, he's worthy. He is all those things and he's worthy of praise. And even I would find myself through tears going, God, no matter what happens in all this, I'm going to praise you. I, even if it doesn't sound really loud, <laughs> if it's not re- in a way that sounds like it's rejoicing, I'm still going to worship you and praise you because you're God and regardless of what's going on. And so we finally got that diagnosis and there's things that are still going on with him. And, you know, this is something that we're going to have to contend with. And I, like I said, I still pray that God's going to heal him, that I still believe that God does heal. I also know that I can't command God to do anything I'm we're going we are going to have to trust him together and you know there's other things I could share Um, there were my own small health issues I've been dealing with over the past several months when little things would pop up uh, I would tend to make because of what happened to my husband I tended to make a mountain out of a molehill and so I began my mind began to go into the, the darkest place that it could go to the worst case scenario And again, I know what some people are going to say about that, and it's okay. If people want to say (laughs) negative things, it won't be the first time I've heard it, and it's certainly not going to be the last. I'm learning continuously. I'm continuing to learn and have learned lessons in this time that we have gone through of it's okay to be broken. It's not okay to stay in that sorrowful place because what good are you to anybody if you're going to stay in that place and you have to recognize you as a human being in this broken world, you are going to go through times of despair and you're going to go through times that seem like the breakers don't stop, that it almost seems like you are drowning or that you feel like, God, I feel dry and dead right now. Like that spiritually, there's nothing in me that wants to do or say anything. And you just have to continue to press on through those and keep your eyes on Christ. That's the thing is that when we are struggling, even as Christians, I mean, sometimes I think as, as believers in Christ, we tend to think, well, it's the people that don't believe in Christ that are going to struggle more. And that's just not true. There are times that we just don't want to admit that we're struggling because we don't want to appear weak in front of people for whatever reason, whether the way it's we've, been, we've been brought up or what we believe spiritually or whatever it is. There is this tendency in, in each of us to some degree to not want to talk about our weakness. We don't want to acknowledge it. It's like the wave I talked about at the beginning. We, we want to ignore it, pretend like it's not there. Well, I don't have that sickness. It's not there. 
if I just don't look at it or I don't say it out loud, if I don't say what the, the name of it is, it's not going to happen. It's not going to take place. That's not fixing anything by denying it. We need to recognize what these things are and then pray and ask God for help. Ask him for wisdom. As if we're facing an illness in our body, ask him, God, I'm asking for healing. And I'm also asking too, if, even if you don't heal me, which I believe that you can and you do heal people, but even if you don't, that you use the doctors that I go to, give them wisdom. If I have to have surgery, guide the surgeon's hands, that everything would go well, that just pray for the, the, a favorable outcome. It's okay to ask for those things. We just can't demand those things. There's a difference. And keeping our eyes on Christ is the key. We've got to keep our eyes on Christ or we're going to sink. We're, we're going to succumb to the waves and the breakers and such. And we will continue to, to be in this hopeless and helpless place of despair. But when we keep our eyes on Christ, even in the midst of brokenness, we can still rejoice and we can still sing to the Lord our loudest praise. Which leads me to one part of the song as we begin to wind down. In Psalm 42, the song that Shane and Shane sings, which by the way, if you have not listened to it, and if you are, whether you're struggling through a hard time or if you are right now, I encourage you to listen to it. It's a beautiful song and it, it helps us to bring our brokenness before the Lord and to also remember who where our salvation lies and to be encouraged in that. But there's one part in the chorus where they sing. They're singing this and, and whenever I'm in the this time of when there are things that we're enduring personally whether it's mild things or things that are much harder and tend to weigh on us and sometimes we let things weigh on us more than we should and I'm guilty of that and I admit that um, sometimes if we've had just things that one after the other that just happen I mean I can like I can tell you it's not just physical things that we both dealt with even in the past couple of months but we've had vehicle issues, just crazy things that have happened to us. And thank goodness, I, I thank the Lord that he's even worked those things out, even those things that have been frustrating or that have uh, been time consuming or an inconvenience or could have been very costly to us financially. We've been blessed in spite of that. And so I'm very thankful for that, uh, regardless of how, uh, even if, regardless of how that would have turned out, I'm still thankful that, you know, even in the midst of that, that um, God has grace on those situations and so I praise him for that but there's a part in the song when it um, when they sing and they talk about tune my heart to bless your name streams of trouble never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise and I think that's a good place for us to stop and reflect on that in our own lives are there places in your life that you think of as a believer when you look at it and you're looking more at the streams that never cease rather than the one who your salvation rests in See, there's a difference. It is easy for us to look at the streams of trouble that never cease. It's a lot harder for us to look past those streams and to praise God in the middle of those troubling times. But as believers, that's where our hope is. He is our salvation. We can still have great hope and joy in the midst of all that trial that's going on. Difficulty, hardship, loss. If anything, if you can be encouraged by this in any way, is to continue to fix your gaze on Jesus. Fix your hope on him. Your faith rests in him. Your faith is not in your confession. Your faith is not in your words. Your faith is not in you speaking something out into existence. Your faith is not in your faith. And I know I've said these things over and over, and sometimes... 
They say that it takes about seven times for someone to hear something before they get it. Some of us are more stubborn and it takes longer. (laughs) But our faith is in Christ. And we can look in Scripture and see time and time again, there are people all over Scripture that fell, that were fallible, sinful people. Some people that did great things for God and stood for God. And then still at times they fell because they were men. They were not God. And God was faithful to them, even in their failure, in their sin, and forgiving them and extending mercy to them and showing them grace and helping us to see and learn from those people in Scripture that they were people that faced, they lost their lives for the sake of the gospel. And yet they were willing to do that while fixing their gaze on Christ. And I, I think for myself, when I, when I look at Scripture and I read it, and I'm encouraged, for one thing, to know that the Bible is pointing towards Christ. It's always pointing towards Christ. And it's also using people that are in the Bible to point to Him and to show, you know, you're going to go through these things in your life, and there are going to be mountaintop things that happen, and there's going to be valley things that happen, and there's going to be that you feel like you're in the pit of despair. But in every season, in every place that you are in your life, in your walk with God, your gaze is fixed on Him. Your hope is fixed on Him. Your faith is in Him. And the eternal life that we're promised When we leave this world and we don't have to, you know, have tears any longer, we don't have to suffer and be in pain and have loss and and go through the trials, and we don't have to have the breakers washing over us anymore. And whether the breakers wash over us to sanctify us or to draw us closer to God or to get pride out or whatever, we find the purpose in those things that we're going through and we ask God, God, I'm asking you to help me in this situation. And however you help me or whatever happens in this, use this situation to sanctify me and draw me closer to you and to help me to be conformed to your image more and more. And I know that that's not a popular thing that's said and or that's something that we even think of first and foremost. You know, whenever we're in trouble or calamity, the first thing is, is that first thing we want to say is, God, help me stop this. Make this go away. I cannot tell you how many times I've prayed this myself. God, make this stop. Please make this stop. Please, you know, intervene with this. Make this go away. And there comes a point when that doesn't go away that you have to continue to say, you're still God and I trust you and I love you and I praise you. I thank you that your grace is sufficient in this, that you'll get the glory out of this entire situation. Regardless of what happens, what the outcome is, or whatever's going to happen, you are going to get the glory for this. I hope this has encouraged you, and I hope that you'll sing this song too when you listen to Psalm 42. If you're going through a tough time in your life, remember, be encouraged in Christ. Fix your gaze on Him. If you need to be encouraged why your soul is cast down, just remember this. Your salvation is in your God. And you can sing praise in the middle of the breakers crashing over you. Be blessed today. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, And we continue to grow together in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.